Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, a listener question episode. I've been getting behind on these. I know that now that I'm doing three times a week, I don't have as much time. I'm still getting the same number of questions, but don't give up on me, and you can keep sending them in. But I'm going to pick off a few today and answer them as best I can. Thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Compsy.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions. Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops. First question from Anonymous. Uh, what do you think about regrading, whether it's in the slab, whether it's a crossover, or sending it back to the same company, getting a, a second chance at the grading? I think people have a lot of heartburn about this. It's certainly the submitter's prerogative. If you own a card and you submit it to one grading company and you think they were overly harsh, in your opinion, you can uh, vote with your dollars and send in to the same company or a different company. That's your prerogative. There's nothing illegal about it. There's nothing ineth- unethical about it. No one criticizes. If you get an opinion you don't like from a doctor, you're going to go get a second opinion, and no one says, oh, you can't do that. Or if you want to buy a house, you're going to get uh, a home inspection. You're, you're going to get a second pair of eyes to look at it. Or uh, I, I have a friend that didn't pass the bar exam the first time or didn't get a good score. Another uh, person that didn't get a good score on the SAT back when that was... Uh, more important for getting into colleges, you can retake the bar exam and you can retake the the SAT and these other things. So frequently in life, if you don't like your result, you you have to pay extra money uh, and you maybe prepare or think about uh, what you're going to do different uh, in the situation with a card. Uh, Hopefully you're not deceptively doctoring up the card. But uh, there can be times where one company uh, grades a little bit different than another. If that's to your advantage, that's fine. So I don't make any moral judgments about regrading. I make moral judgments if people are trying to to, uh, deceptively trim or deceptively color. I hope they get caught. You're not going to go to jail for that, but there should be a penalty besides the financial penalty. If you've taken a card that was a pretty good card, if you messed with it, it ought to make the value go down. So that's one. Uh, Another one was from uh, Robin Pauls, who is the expert on uh, uh, post football. So he's got his own website and and is a good guy. We had a good chat in an episode a year and a half ago or so. but Robin Paul was talking about the problem with post serial cards, his specialty, that through no fault of his own, even though they're blank back cards, he's gotten dinged by, actually, he mentions PSA, where there's not a gum stain, but a glue stain, because when the post serial was in a kind of a plastic bag inside the box, and there was a little bit of a, a dab of glue to make sure the bag didn't uh, shake around too much. And so any cards, which are actually the, the back of the box of the post serial box, there, there would have been a stain there on some of the backs of some of the cards. I don't think it's on a lot of them, Robin, but uh, I do know that it's been on some and I've had some. That's a set I, I completed a long time ago and have now divested. I no longer have it. And I don't remember grading any of them, not because of that, but just because post serial, it's hard to grade because they're almost always hand cut other than with some exceptions they're mainly hand cut but damage on the back of a blank back card doesn't count off as much it does count as a negative and so he's mentioning what about removing the glue stain uh, using an undetectable solvent Uh, would that be okay you don't have to ask if it's okay if it's undetectable (laughs) if it's undetectable no one would know now Depending on your moral compass, you may think, I shouldn't have done that. And yet it's your card. 
uh, if you're submitting it in for grading and you truly do use an undetectable solvent that gets rid of the uh, stain for the glue there, number one, it may be undetectable in 2023. It may not be undetectable in 2033 in the sense that 10 years later, there, there may have been something in that solvent that got rid of the glue, may have also leached out the card back or discolored it in some way. So over time, it could be a problem. So it may be initially undetectable, but later detectable. He just thinks this is the way they came, so they should be left in the way they came. But they weren't intended to have glue on the back, but they just do. So I don't have a big problem if it does or if it doesn't. I will say this, if you use some kind of a detectable solvent, I'm hoping the grading companies will count off for that. Of course, not that much because it's on the back. And the other thing is what happens on a lot of these situations is that it's amazing. People don't usually do those uh, doctoring for common cards. But Robin, if you had a card uh, of one of those super short prints or some superstar in there, and it's otherwise a mint card, perfectly cut, but it has this glue, st glue stain on the back, I, I could see somebody doing that. In fact, if you sold it to somebody, it's likely they would do it. This is another example where eye appeal is almost always, for anybody that's doing eye appeal, they're almost always talking about the front of the card, especially with a blank back card. The, the other thing about dealing with a card that's got this glue stain on the back is that there is some cost. There are services actually that do this, card doctoring professionals that advertise. And I believe that in many cases they can uh, successfully remove those stains in an undetectable way, but that's going to cost you. If you do it yourself, you're going to have to experiment. It would take time. And again, you're on thin ice in some cases of just trying to do something to a card and you could mess it up. And like I said, it might be worth it if it was a card where going up a grade or two for a superstar or a, a super short print might uh, be worth enough money to <laughs> compromise your ethics, even though the ethical dilemma is not clear to me. Uh, the other thing that I have heard about uh, from BGS days and from my own days is that if Robin sends in one of his cards and he's done this undetectable solvent and sends it into BGS or, or PSA or anybody else, it might get through, uh, especially if it doesn't smell different, doesn't look different, I say undetectable in every way, doesn't feel different. However, if Robin were to take a whole bunch of them, say he's got uh, 20 or 30 of these and he does his uh, undetectable solvent on all 30 of them and then sends them into PSA or BGS, you're dramatically increases your chances of getting caught. And uh, because it, if one just feels a little different, but all 30 of them with that just might be slightly detectable, you may get them all bounced out. You may get them all slabbed as authentic or altered. And so if you did one, I'm not trying to help somebody be a criminal, but I just think it's amazing when I've looked at a run of cards, when they're all have some similar characteristic, you really start to pick up and notice it. For example, if there was some water damage in one card and it's slight warping, you might not see it if it's in a semi-rigid or something, it may feel flat. But if you had a whole bunch of them, you'd see that. So anyway, thanks for the comment, Robin. Next one was from Frank Costello, my uh, golfing uh, friend from Michigan, and he was telling me, and this is a while back, that Bob Wimmer had passed away a year ago. And it's just sad to me because he was a great guy. All the 
the serious collectors that I knew in uh, Detroit were pretty unforgettable, and he was one of them. So he's a little bit older than me. He was the Detroit Red Wings photographer, loved hockey, and was at all the shows that I went to. And I went to all the shows up in Detroit back in the 70s when I was at Bowling Green, and uh, just was a great guy. His nickname was Red because he had pretty noticeable uh, red hair. Of the hair he had, it was red. Great guy, and uh, I'm sorry I didn't know about that, but now that I do, he, he had a lot of friends in the hobby and was... Uh, Wonderful friend to me as well back in the day. It's like you have friends that uh, knew you when. You knew you before I'd published any uh, books or magazines or anything like that. So he was, he was a good guy. Always taking pictures of, of the card show. So I hope some of his uh, photographic work finds its way back into the hobby. He did a lot of work for SCD and, and all that. Okay, one more thing that came up is that back in episode 923, I mentioned when there was a Panini football box battle that I had gotten a card that would otherwise go on my wall, except that it was a hated or despised, I forget exactly what I said, uh, but a player that would uh, immediately uh, generate a reaction of negativity for many people, if not most people, if not all people. Uh, probably most is better because it, it seemed like somebody always is a, a fan of somebody. But I've had so many people write in and try to guess who the person is. So this latest guy, this uh, ML, uh, and I think that's fine. He just said, I think it's Michael Vick. <laughs> so he's thinking maybe it's Michael Vick, and he wanted to let me know that, that even though a lot of people hate him, uh, he doesn't. And so if I really wanted to get rid of that card that, that is a player that almost everybody hates, uh, he'd be happy to, to trade me for a, a card of equal or more value. So he's not trying to take advantage of me. The problem is now this card that I have not disclosed what it is uh, infamous. And so I probably, ML, I, I probably can't trade it. It's, it. it's too meaningful to me now. The other thing, this guy, he did some wrong things. And not to get too biblical on you, but if you look in the Bible, there's really only one unforgivable sin. And this guy, I don't think, did this. So that just means that everybody, and we probably ought to try to have an attitude of being forgiving and, and graceful, but uh, you can look it up in the Bible. There's, there's only one sin that's unforgivable. Last thing here, there is... Um, a lot about Shohei Otani, and I, I think he's an amazing generational talent. But let me just give, and this is probably a question from me. I've, I've bounced this around with a couple other people, not necessarily in the hobby, but just the fact that Shohei Otani is so amazing that he is one of the very best pitchers and, and one of the very best hitters. At some point, some people would think he's the best hitter and the best pitcher. And that seems so unusual that somebody would master both. And yet, if you go back to Little League, or Pony League, or American Legion ball, high school ball, maybe even college. It is so frequent on the teams that I grew up playing a lot of baseball as a kid that the best hitter on the team was also the best pitcher. Now, that wasn't always the case, but almost always the case. Played shortstop when he wasn't pitching or whatever position. There's just some athletes that were better. So my point to say is that I believe there will be other Shohei Otanis because he's proven that it can do. Because the theory is that you you got to choose your sport and you've got to choose your position. And I think Shohei Otani is showing you don't have to. If you want to pitch and hit, you you may be more susceptible to injuries. But in high school, the, the best pitcher is also the best hitter. And they're getting him in the game as much as they can. So he's going to play every day. Now, they're not playing every single day, but they're playing in the spring. 
So the bottom line is, I think there'll be other Shohei Otanis, and I think that's a good thing. They may not be as good as he is, but who knows? It, it wouldn't shock me if somebody comes along. Again, these things take a little time, so I don't think it's going to happen this year or next year. But there are little kids right now in Little League that are saying, if he can do it, I can do it. And they're just going to work at their craft. I'm, I'm happy with that. Anyway, that's it for today. Um, thanks, everybody. I hope uh, you're enjoying the hobby. And I'll try to address some more questions uh, in a future episode of Listener Questions. Keep sending them in, drjamesbeckett at gmail.com. Or if you see me to show or whatever, or tell Rich. Rich gets some questions for me. He passes them on. Thanks, everybody. And, and, uh, and see you later. The man in the house who calls.